You're listening to What Exactly Do You Do? A podcast by Karuna CV. Hello and welcome to this episode of What Exactly Do You Do? My name is Rish Barua and I'm a careers consultant. I'm also the founder of Karuna CV and Careers Advice. Now, when you're trying to decide what kind of job you want to do, it can be really confusing. There's loads of websites out there that say they can offer you some help, but it can be really hard to work out what everyday life is going to be like, even if you were doing that kind of work. The purpose of what exactly do you do is to help you work out if this really is the kind of job that you want to do and to answer some key questions such as what qualifications do I need? What kinds of hours will I be working? And how much am I likely to get paid? The word Karuna is derived from Sanskrit and means compassion. Karuna CV aims to support people like you with CV writing, job applications and personal branding. But the aim of this podcast is to help you find out what people actually do in their jobs. Now let's welcome today's guest and ask them, what exactly do you do? Hello, special guest. What is your name and what job do you do? Hello, my name is Matt Parfit and I work as the CEO of a charity called Grace Enterprises. And I'm also the, the managing director of the business that we run which is called Radiant Cleaners. Okay, so you run this business as a chief executive. You are the managing director of this business that uh, does cleaning work. So essentially, what I happen to know from speaking to you before we started recording, Matt, is that these are things that you started up by yourself. And therefore, I'm going to give you the title of entrepreneur. Now, let's just delve a little bit deeper into that. Um, many people have heard the word entrepreneur, and you might have heard about that from shows like Dragon's Den or The Apprentice. I think it's worth defining for our listeners exactly what we mean by that. Now, an enterprise advisor that I've worked with used to say that an entrepreneur is somebody who created a business where it did not exist before. And there's various types of entrepreneurship from freelancing, which is where you work for yourself and you charge for the jobs that you do through to starting and running your own business. And, and Matt, that's what you've done, isn't it? You know, so Grace Enterprises is this, is this kind of overarching organisation, but Radiant Cleaners is the business that you've started up, which offers cleaning services to other people. Yeah, that's right. It is a, a social enterprise, and but it is essentially, it's a business. And so we provide cleaning for, for companies, um, for charities, some of the companies are really big, so some corporate partners. And also now our recent win is a castle. Um, but we we started, it will be four years in November. So November 2017. And since then, we have employed 55 people and currently have 33, I think, is the number who are in the, the team. But the interesting thing about us is not actually the cleaning that we provide, but it's the people that we employ. So... The reason why I quit my previous job was to actually employ people who others wouldn't. And so we're talking about people with with serious barriers to work. So people who've been in prison, people who've struggled with addiction, homelessness, maybe domestic abuse, English as a, a second language, just a variety of health problems, physical and mental. So for whatever reason, people can't get a job, are deemed by the Nottingham Post to be unemployable. And we enjoy employing them in our business. Okay, so I guess that's the social element, isn't it? Now, it's worth pointing out, isn't it, that a social enterprise is not a charity. What's what's the difference? 
Yeah, that's right. I would describe a social enterprise in one word as being a business, and then it happens to be social. So we have to be able to do a really good service at a really fair price. Otherwise, businesses are not interested. But the fact that lots of companies, lots of offices need a cleaner, so I'm not trying to convince them of that. And so if we are good enough at cleaning, and we are, then it, they become interested in us because of the social side of it. So business first, social second, but they are interested in the fact that the money they're going to spend on cleaning can be spent on cleaning, but they get a, a real positive win, whether that is for them they a fuzzy feeling inside or whether it's something they can chat about in the press, then they get to know they're making a difference in the lives of people in Nottingham. And so that is why people use us. Um, the cleaning is the vehicle. The really interesting thing is the people we employ. Yeah. And uh, from some of the posts I've seen on LinkedIn and social media by some of the companies that you work with, they obviously a big part of that is to say that they buy into what you're doing there. You're helping people who maybe would have struggled to get work otherwise. And so they have to buy that in because, you know, we all know that there's lots of cleaning jobs whereby people work at minimum wage and they are um, doing all kinds of hours, doing all kinds of work. So I'm guessing in that sense, like you say, you, you know, you're saying, well, cleaning services, you can get those anywhere. But if you work with us, you're also doing something over and above getting people in to clean your premises. Absolutely. Um, and we've won lots of awards that sort of testify to that. So something from the, the Real Living Wage Foundation. So that just means we pay people what I would regard as a basic wage, but it's more than the minimum wage. Um, that means we're going to be slightly more expensive than other companies. So that's why I was saying our USP is not we're the cheapest cleaning company. Our USP is not we are the best cleaning company. I feel like we need to be as good as everyone else. But our USP is, is about the other thing. It's about the people. It's about the lives. It's about the added social value. So we're the cleaning company that helps our employees with, with English lessons. We're the cleaning company that points them in the direction of debt advice or health advice or, or advocates who've helped them to avoid eviction. So, so for us, people that work for us, it's more than just a job. It's more than just cleaning. It's We're interested in the people and their lives. We just so happen to employ them cleaning and happen to pay them for doing that. Okay, and uh, just out of interest, we'll, we'll come and talk a little bit more about your history and how you started doing this in a minute. But just out of interest, uh, you mentioned there the living wage and the minimum wage. Are you able to explain to us what the difference between those two is? Yeah, and, and it is muddied by the fact that the government renamed the minimum wage as the national living wage. Um, but there is also a living wage foundation who have independently, they look at effectively what is the cost of living and so they would suggest that if you are just paid the bare minimum which is not a lot if you're 16 17 18 then actually you are also going to be claiming lots of benefits and that actually society loses but would say that actually there is a realistic number which currently is nine pounds fifty and as opposed to eight pounds ninety one for an adult who's sort of 25 plus then so it's not a huge difference but it's enough of a difference that people rather than just survive, get to, to thrive, get to actually have a takeaway or go out for a meal once every now and again, or get to get to go on holiday every now and again. So it makes a sort of real difference when you are not earning a lot, but that little bit extra makes a difference. And so the best place to go is their website, the Living Wage Foundation, um, and that sets it all out. And there are some huge employers now who are, who are joining that scheme and can see that it just makes economic sense to pay people properly rather than driving wages down and then actually expecting the government to fill in the gap, then we all pay it back in taxes anyway. So it makes more sense to people to earn properly in the first place. 
So it sounds very much as though thinking about the living wage, but also your commitment as a social enterprise, that it's very much about enabling people to, you know, you're not doing handouts. What you're doing is you're saying, all right, you work for us. We will we'll make sure you get paid at a decent rate. And therefore you can do the things that you need to do to make your life better. Yeah, absolutely. We we want to be that step on from the person who goes to a food bank. So a lot of our employees have been to a food bank, potentially even been to the food bank that we're linked with. And they've been given a food parcel. Well, clearly that is going to run out in a week or two. And so if you've only got a particular set of circumstances that have caused a problem and then a week or two's food might be enough to get you over to the other side and everything's all right. But for so many people, it's not that they are actually stuck in poverty. And I feel like one food parcel follows another. That isn't really it's not really living, is it? It's just surviving. And actually, the, somebody in a family needs to work. I can't see how just living off benefits, people actually get to, to live a decent life. So I, I, I genuinely believe that someone in a family needs to work and that having the potential for that, us giving second chances to people that have, let's be honest, some of them have really messed up. They've been in prison or they've, they've made poor choices. Other people, it's not about poor choices. They're, their life's been horrendous and they've been abused, victims of crime, etc. And so we offer second chances, third chances to all of those people and um, offer people a chance. I think that we would all want if we'd messed up to someone to actually take the time and the care to say, well, if you're prepared to work hard, here's another opportunity to to rebuild your life. And so that's what we do. And it's a real joy. It doesn't always work out, but it's a real joy to see the vast majority of people really change their lives. And people are so grateful for the ability to be able to work again for People, words like hope, purpose, dignity, self-respect. Um, it's nothing about cleaning, but it's the, the joy of working and being part of a team, getting a pay packet. I think it's just good for the soul, amongst other things. Yeah, um, inspiring stuff there. Um, now, I, I did say we'd come back to you um, and, and how you got started doing this. Like You mentioned the company. Um, you've been doing this for since 2017. But have you always worked for yourself? Tell us a little bit about your, your career journey. Yeah, after uni, I so I did a geography degree and then was planning to be a primary school teacher. I had a year, two years out as um, an outdoor activity instructor um, down in the South Coast, in Wales. But the plan was always to come back and become a primary school teacher, which I did, so back at home in Nottingham. And I was teaching in a pretty rough part of town and was teaching, so year five, then year one. So there aren't many male primary school teachers. There definitely aren't many doing year one and people thought I was quite good at it so that was nice and effectively got a job for life in doing that but I was getting really frustrated that people I knew from church couldn't get a job they couldn't get a second chance they'd come out of prison they had turned their lives around but they were stuck because of their CV and the gaps in it there was no one around to practically play that next role as being a, a supportive sympathetic employer and getting really frustrated about that I felt like I needed to do something so that's what I did I handed my notice in as a teacher and then started up a gardening company. It wasn't about gardening and it's not now about cleaning. It's about employing people, treating them well with, um, with dignity and respect, paying them for what they do and believing in second chances, like I said. So no, I did that from 2007 to 2017. And then in my mind, there wasn't really much of a change, but we changed vehicle from gardening for a variety of reasons to cleaning so that we could actually have a bigger team, a more diverse team. And yeah, that was three and a half years ago. 
So just a couple of things I'm going to jump in there. Um, firstly, you mentioned about, you know, primary school teaching and that primary school teaching is, is predominantly female. So uh, if you're interested in teaching, uh, listener, then keep an eye out because we have got an interview with Rob Jones, who is a male primary school teacher. So keep an eye on that in our feed. And then also when you started up doing the gardening, um, presumably at that stage, it was a case of, all right, I've given up my teaching job. I'm going to start off doing this by myself. Was that how you did it? Yeah, that was right. So um, I was married. At, well, I am married. <laughs> and so um, we, um, yeah, we were at stage of life pre-kids. So my wife was earning. And therefore, in some ways, we were thinking maybe a couple of years down the line, we'd have children. So economically, we're in a position where we could live off one salary. We were expecting to do that. So from that point of view, it didn't matter if it didn't work out. But yeah, what we did was we bought a sort of, I suppose I bought a people carrier and then my attitude was out of a couple of hundred pounds, I'll buy the tools that I need to do the next job. And then when I've done that job, I'll spend that money on the tools I need to do the next job. And gradually I'd end up doing jobs I already had the tools for, in which case I wouldn't have to keep buying them and I'd start making money and I would employ people in doing so. So yeah, started it with a couple of thousand pounds, basically bought a car and went from there. Okay. Um, and in those early days when you were, uh, uh, you know, doing it for yourself, did you register it as a business or did you literally just start off as Matt with a lawnmower and a chainsaw <laughs> in the back of a people carrier? Yeah, it was named um, as Fruitful Oaks, but in fact, I was Matt Parfit trading as. Um, so I was a sole trader at that point. Effectively, I'm self-employed. I've got a trading name, which would be the, like the company name, but really... There's nothing registered at Company House at this point. I am me, self-employed and trading as, so a sole trader is what it's known as. Yeah. So obviously what I'd say to anyone listening is that, as I mentioned earlier, there's various di different types of working for yourself. So there is starting and running a company. There is a possibility of being a sole trader. And many people who work freelance actually register as sole traders rather than limited companies, just because it's a bit simpler. Now, there's loads of advantages and disadvantages. There's a few um, resources that I would maybe refer you to. So a couple of books, uh, one by Sarah Townsend, which is called Survival Skills for Freelancers, and another one called Freelance Bible by Alison Grade. Yeah, and one thing I would just jump in there with is, bizarrely, despite the name, you can be a sole trader and employ people. So I was a sole trader, but I employed about 35 people during that time. So despite the name, you can employ people that way. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good point, actually, because uh, when I was younger, I had a part-time job in a coffee shop. And anytime you see a business, you see a sign in a business, either in a retail outlet or in a coffee shop or even on a website, and it says such and such person trading as company name. That's a sign that they're a sole trader. So my boss, who owned the coffee shop, she was employing about 12, 15 of us to work various shifts, but she was the coffee shop in terms of in, in business terms. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is to do with liability. And I say those books that I mentioned, they can give you a good insight into that. Uh, the other thing, listeners, is another podcast that we've got in our series is speaking to Megan Downs, who's a copywriter and she's a freelancer. Um, and so she mentions a little bit about how, you know, there's things to do with working for herself in there. Um, anyway. Let's come back to you, Matt. Um, you mentioned there about how you got started. Um, 
to ask an awkward question, and I do apologize for this, but when you work for someone else, basically you get a pay slip and you either get, uh, you know, a check or some cash or more likely an electronic payment into your bank on a weekly or monthly basis. When you're working for yourself or you're starting a new business, well, how, how do you get paid? Yeah, so you've got a bank account that you have got money coming into, and I'd highly advise you to make that a separate one to your sort of personal account. But if you've got money coming in, essentially you can take money out of that and give it to yourself, pay it to yourself whenever you want. So that's the good news. What you need to be aware of is that later on, you will end up filling in a tax return, and then you'll be told how much tax you own, uh, you owe rather, and national insurance contributions, etc. And so that can come as a nasty surprise at the end of the year. It's easy enough to work out as you go along, but the temptation is to see the money in your bank account, take it, and then forget about that some of it will be taken off. As when you're an employee, that's done before the money gets to you. So tax has gone, national insurance contributions, pension contributions have all gone. So it's just something to watch out for when you are paying yourself. But essentially, you get paid when the money's there. If the money's not there, you can't pay yourself. So it is less regular. You could pay yourself more. You could pay yourself less. You could leave more money in the bank and save it up or you could pay it to yourself. But at the end of the day, the tax man will come. So it's worth having it set aside somewhere. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of things to think about. Different people recommend different amounts. Like you said, um, some people recommend setting aside about a quarter of your earnings so that if there's any unexpected tax bills, national insurance contributions you have to make. But also it means that if you don't need to spend all of that on tax, then, hey, happy days at the end of the year, you got a little bit extra in, in the bank. Um, the other thing that's worth remembering is whether you'd be doing it as a freelancer or running a business is you need to budget for the fact that you're not always going to be in work. So um, especially freelancers, a broad rule of thumb I've heard people talking about is um, budget for your entire year, like you're only going to be earning for nine months so that you know, you know, you know that you can cope if there's periods where you're not getting any work. So it's a broad rule of thumb. Other people have different ideas, but um, um, you know, it's something that's worth considering. Now, thinking Back to um, the work that you do, you are a chief executive of one organisation and you're the managing director of Radiant Cleaners. How does that work? Tell me about it. It means I get to choose which T-shirt to wear each day, depending on who I'm meeting, whether I'm talking about um, Grace Enterprises or Radiant Cleaners. I should point um, out Matt means that literally. So I've seen him many yeah. times wearing a Radiant Cleaners um, polo shirt. And today he's wearing his Grace Enterprises polo shirt. Yeah. It means that you wear many hats and you have to do different things. So, but I enjoy the variety. But what it really means is this is not a nine to five job. Uh, you are not going in, doing a task, getting paid for it and going home. Uh, the job is whatever needs to be done, needs to be done when it needs to be done. So there will be times when and I've had, I'm in a particularly busy stage at the moment. So it's the wrong time to ask me how much is it easier or not, because it's not. I've done 12 or 13 hours a day for the last three days. So I've done my working week um, and now it's Thursday morning. So the reality is that doesn't mean I'm done. I'm not going home and saying I've done my hours for the week, give me some overtime. But actually there's still stuff to do. There's people to cover, there's things that need to happen. So it's, go it's doing the extra bit. It's, you're never gonna choose to wait for yourself and find it easy or easier than a sort of a comfortable job that if they exist, there is nine to five where you can clock off at the end of the day and you can go enjoy all your evenings and all your free leisure time. And you'd have 
yeah, potentially a more boring job, but more time in the evening. So to do this kind of thing, I genuinely think that you either need to not be doing it for the money, in which case you can do whatever hours you like. You are more flexible and that's fine. You're just playing at it and any money's a bonus. If you need to do it and actually earn a living, then there will be seasons where you will be working really hard. You will be doing it until the job is done. The clock doesn't matter at that point. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to suit some. It's not going to suit everyone. But clearly there are a lot of entrepreneurs. People do things. Probably the richest people in the world don't work for someone else. So there's the potential for it to go really well. There's obviously the potential for it to go really badly. But And I wouldn't recommend it lightly to anyone, but I, I would recommend it. So it sounds like it's very much something that you've got to want to do. It's not, it's not, it's, um, you know, people do work for themselves part time. And this is something that uh, we'll hear from Emma in a few minutes. And she says that there's this idea of a, of a portfolio career where you've got two or three things going on at once. So some people do have a job working for someone else and then do their own thing on the side. I think it depends upon the nature of the work. Now, the, the business that you're running, clearly that's not doable, is it? But other people... A great example is during the COVID pandemic, quite a lot of people set up online shops. So if they were um, buying and selling stuff or um, making and selling stuff via Etsy or not on the high street or clothing via Depop, for example, then that's something you can do in those periods when you're on furlough or whatever. And then, but you can also keep those going alongside. And I have to say as well, this is not about me, but I'm an example of that because I've got a day job. I also do this podcast and do work for Karuna CV. And therefore, there's a balance to be struck for most people. And I think sometimes you've got to just try it out to find that balance. Yeah, I think if you are um, self-employed um, as, as you are, then you've got more control and you can do the fit things in. And depending on how many commitments you've got, I think the moment you step into employing other people, then you are entering a different world where if they don't do what they're supposed to do for whatever reason, and maybe they get ill, the buck will stop with you. You've got to find the way to cover that. And so now when I employ 33 people, I literally cannot do all that they do. If they all got ill simultaneously, I'd have a very big problem and the buck would stop with me. So not everybody wants to carry that. And there's also, because we're in a service industry, so I quite envy some of the people who make stuff on Etsy and they get to do what they want to do. And if they've made two of them, they sell two. If they've made three, they sell three. Whereas for us, we've got to be at the castle at seven o'clock tomorrow morning. If someone's ill at half six tomorrow morning, I have a problem that needs fixing right there, right then. It isn't, can't kick it into the next day. Um, can't sort it out the day before. So that is something that I would, again, when we do our next business, I'm really keen to do it a different thing that is not such a time bound, time critical service industry because that brings an extra level of pressure as well okay let's just come back to that idea about being the chief executive of grace enterprises and being the managing director of radiant cleaners so if i'm right here grace enterprises is an umbrella organization and radiant cleaners is the business doing cleaning work that that you run under that umbrella so you mentioned oh if we start another business so does that mean that you might actually end up passing on the the managing director role of raging cleaners in the long term to someone else to start up another business and you might be the managing director of that one um and then and so on and so forth but all the time you're kind of wearing that hat as grace enterprises umbrella organization that might start these businesses underneath i think you've nailed it i should record what you just said and use it to tell other people 
yeah that's right i'm going to be um effectively leading the organization that is the umbrella thing that uh, that starts things and also encourages others to start things so i'm hopeful i won't be the managing director of everything sitting underneath it <laughs> and yeah you're right now that radiant cleaners is more of a tangible thing with a proper job of being managing director then i feel like it's been birthed out of nothing into a something now we could actually put the advert out and say who wants this job and yeah it'd be quite a difficult job but it could be done with a proper salary someone will take that on and i can then have the joy and the challenge of stepping sideways and saying right what am i going to do with my time now let's start something new do the bit that other people wouldn't do again try and make it into something that is proper and existing and pays its way and then again hopefully step aside pass that on to to people but also as i said to try and bring other people through maybe to coach them help support them because otherwise it is quite hard work starting something and then digging your way out of it and passing it on i i would love it if i was the managing director of nothing um the ceo and then was actually supporting everyone else a day a week two days a week whatever was needed but then it's their vision it's them carrying it it's them sort of really shaping it in their image rather than them inheriting something from me shaped by me and then trying to make it their own or trying to trying to be me and that would be difficult for them as well so i'd much rather they were themselves and they they, they did it their way but that's finding the right people with the entrepreneurial spirit that will do that and take that risk but also coach them and and, and support them in whatever way we can in the coming years maybe a good analogy is that of a, of a football club so you've got the chief executive who runs a football club but then you've got the manager who picks the team and is the guy who ultimately gets the team either promoted or in the case of you know you and I are both Nottingham Forest fans not promoted so um, maybe that's an analogy to think about if you're trying to get your head around it and um, just very very briefly you mentioned there about obviously responsibilities in terms of um, having staff and so on uh, you also run a cleaning company, so there's certain standards to uphold in terms of the jobs that you do. Um, what kinds of qualifications or training have you had, either with regards to the business side or things like the health and safety side? Am I allowed to not answer? Um, <laughs> you can not, answer however you like. I, I have no business qualifications and no other qualifications. I am a qualified teacher. Yeah, and you got a degree in geography, which you mentioned earlier. So that's, yeah, that's good enough for me. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, um, and, and again, Emma's going to cover this in just a second, but, you know, qualifications, there's no hard and fast rules to say you have to have a business degree or whatever to, to become somebody who ends up running a business. So, uh, in fact, let's go over to Emma right now. There are various forms of entrepreneurship, from freelancing through to starting and running your own business. There are increasing numbers of people who are choosing to work for themselves alongside a paid job. This is sometimes known as a portfolio career. For some people, this is a good way of providing variety in their career and making some extra money. But for others, it is a safe way to test whether full-time entrepreneurship is a viable life choice. There are no particular qualifications required to work for yourself, but certain industries have stringent requirements. For example, Dentists in the UK are usually freelance and require several years of training and professional development. However, if you want to open a shop or start a social enterprise, then there may not be so many formal requirements. Most people will take some courses and training, for example in business skills. If you want to open a coffee shop, you may require food hygiene and health and safety certificates. Entrepreneurs commonly need to be organised and able to cope with competing demands 
It is difficult to define salary expectations. If you are buying and selling clothes part-time via Depop, then this might be just pocket money. If you are an expert computer programmer or high-end production designer in film, the rewards can be higher. Remember, if you are a freelancer, you will need to pay tax and national insurance out of your home earnings. Thank you. So today we've been finding out about running a social enterprise with our guest, Matt Parfit. Now, Matt, I just want to quickly put you on the spot and just ask you, what are your favourite and least favourite parts of running Radiant Cleaners? Well, my least favourite part is definitely stuff to do with accounts and reporting to Companies House and all those kinds of sort of administrative, formal, boring stuff. And so it's exciting for me that I'm getting rid of more and more of that. I'm becoming less and less on my plate, which is great. Some people enjoy it. And what's the best part are the people. They're also one of the most frustrating part. But the people, when you actually can see the the hope in someone's face, the smile that they have when they've actually got, they're being paid, they've got um, dignity, they've got purpose they didn't think they have before. So it's definitely seeing like people change and seeing People take opportunities they genuinely thought weren't going to get it. It is really that sort of heartwarming feeling and the times where you just remember, this is why you put in the long hours. This is why you do what you do. I could get a job teaching again, doing something far, far simpler than this. Not, by the way, that teaching is easy. Um, But I could get a normal job. But actually, there are times when I wonder why on earth am I doing what I'm doing? But it's the people and seeing lives change that makes me do it. And I have to say as well, from my experience of people who I've spoken to run their own businesses, that there is a real element there. It is high risk, but it's high reward, whether that be with the people you work with or the the kinds of things that you make and sell or whatever it is that you do. People say, yeah, it's high risk. But when it works out, there's no 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 better feeling in career wise, at least. Um, and then let's move on because we have got a quick fire round for you. We've got 10 questions over the space of about a minute or so. Are you up for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's start the music. So, a nice easy one to start with, tea or coffee? Uh, definitely tea. Okay, working from home or working in the office? Or on site? Honestly, a mix. I'm doing two days of one and three of the other at the minute. Okay, great. Uh, you've answered this already. How much is the UK national living wage for adults? There we are. Nine pounds fifty an hour. Okay. Uh, and the minimum wage is eight ninety one. But that's known by the government as the national living wage for some reason. Okay. Just and then confused, yeah. on a similar topic, do you know how much the UK national average salary is? So annual salary. I don't. But I'd go in about eighteen thousand. You know what? way off i've been having this conversation with a lot of other people and i'm surprised by this according to the office for national statistics in 2020 the median salary for full-time work in the uk was thirty-one thousand four hundred and sixty-one pound i'd like to see that if you took the top 10 percent off and saw what the rest was well quite um cv stands for curriculum vitae what does that mean I presume it means something to do with being relevant, current and news about a life. Oh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that. So it's life story. So the VTI bit and the okay. curriculum, as you should know as an ex-teacher, is all about the kind of the planning and the scheme. So life story. OK, PC or Mac? PC. Favourite TV show? 
I have loved watching um, The Last Dance recently on Netflix. Dream job when you're a kid. Professional footballer. Okay. After that, I wanted to work in the yeah, National Trust. I wanted to drive around, be a park manager and have a dog and just drive around in my little Land Rover. Excellent. Okay. Uh, would you rather earn more money or work fewer hours? I do neither. I work more hours and earn less money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I would probably go less. I would go, Well, I wouldn't go more money, so I'd go less hours. Okay. And then finally, you've kind of answered this. What would you be doing if you weren't doing what you do now? I'd be doing something very similar. So running another business? I'd be running a different business, yeah. Thank you, Doug. All right. Marvellous. So thank you, Matt. Really appreciate that. Um, Just to finish off, have you got any tips for any listeners who might be thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? If I were you, I would look up Unlimited, which in their website is spelled U-N-L-T-D. So imagine some vowels missing in it and all the school of social entrepreneurs. And both of them would come up if you typed in social enterprise, I'm sure. But sort of to see what an entrepreneur is, see what a social entrepreneur is, what that definitions are, see some examples, see if that really captures your heart. And they have all got sort of entry level things where you could potentially get a small grant to try something new. And I would recommend that to anyone trying something before you've jumped in fully two footed to actually um, apply to them, get a grant for £500, test the water, see what happens. Okay, great. We'll uh, we'll add those to the show notes um, so that you can access us along with a link to Raging Cleaners so people can find out more about the business. So um, thank you so much, Matt. We're going to say a big thank you to you. Uh, Thank you to Emma for being the voice of the podcast. And most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us today. Uh, We do ask this every episode, but if you've enjoyed this show, then please take a minute or two to leave us a review and a comment on your podcast app, especially if you're using Apple Podcasts. And the reason for that is not just because we want to find out if you've enjoyed it or not, and hopefully you have, but also it helps other people to find our content. So thank you once again for listening, and we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of What Exactly Do You Do? You have been listening to What Exactly Do You Do? A podcast by Karuna TV and Careers Advice. The podcast was presented by Rish Barua, and you can find out more by visiting karunacv.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.